0: We've been discussing freedom in Christ, I can't live the Christian life, and so on. Anyone want notes that didn't get them? Anyone want a set of notes that didn't get them? If you do, wave your hand. Jeff will make sure you get them. Question, and I'm looking for response. When is a believer in Christ free? When is a believer in Christ free? When he's a slave of Christ. Okay? Looking for more response. Believers free when a slave of Christ. Other response. Travis. When they receive Christ, right? I'm not looking for a right or wrong answer here, you know, just... Ray, looks like your brain's churning there. (laughs) It didn't stop to get it out, is that it? (laughs) Free from the law? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Any other response? We have a lot of freedom in Christ. As far as Christians, we have a lot of freedom. Okay, we have a lot of freedom. Joy. Doing what Christ intends us to do. Is this believer free? Butch is in his early thirties. He has a good job, which pays well, and he enjoys working fifty to sixty hours a week. He watches a great deal of TV, movies, or plays on the computer with much of his free time. He wants life to be fun, thus he spends money on entertainment and parks. He is not very disciplined financially. Butch is not very passionate in pursuing his wife, but does try to take time for his two children, doing fun things with them. At this point in life, God is on the back burner. Is Butch free? Why? Why not? Is Butch free? He would be a believer, yes. Yes. Free or not free, why or why not? Travis. If you're looking at it from the standpoint of what God wants him to be in his life, then you would say he's not free. At least in his experience. Okay, in his experience, daily walk. A slave to himself, to the world. As we think about freedom in Christ, we think about not being able to live the Christian life. We contrasted, you know, I can and I can't. Tonight we want to look more at the freedom part and give somewhat of a definition in a few minutes, but let's go to Genesis. And I realize many times when we consider things, we'll start in Genesis. There's a reason for that, that's the book of beginnings, and I think God lays a lot of groundwork in Genesis. In Genesis 1, we're in what God created in the first six days. When we get to the sixth day, we find that God has created the animals, and in verse 26 of Genesis 1, then God said... Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves along the ground. Just a couple notes on this or thoughts on this passage. Male and female were made in God's image. They were given a responsibility. They were to rule over fish, the birds, the livestock, and all creatures that move along the ground. They had a responsibility They were to be fruitful and increase in number. They were to fill the earth. And at the end of the chapter, we find that what God said or what God did was good. Now go over to chapter two and verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. for When you eat of it, you will surely die now there's freedom here in the sense that could eat from any tree in the garden but there's a restriction don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil responsibility freedom but yet restriction look at verse 25 this is after god created eve from adam's rib The man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Now when you think about Adam and Eve being naked and not feeling shame, the idea of nakedness is openness. There was no covering. And I think as you look at the flow of Genesis 1 and 2, that involved all of life. We're not just talking a physical thing, you know. They were open, they were honest with God, with one another. There was nothing to hide. And we know that that changed. When they went into slavery in chapter three. Let's go to Exodus chapter 20. This is quite a few years after Genesis. <clears throat> we know that Israel, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, Jacob ended up in Egypt. And then Joseph died, and a pharaoh came on the scene that didn't remember Joseph. They spent 400 years in slavery, came out of Egypt, and they're in the wilderness. And God gives what we call the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, verse 1, and God spoke all these words. I'm the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So we're dealing with a redeemed people. They've already been delivered. You shall have no other gods before me. That's a little restrictive. No other gods, just me. You should not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You should not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Again, there's some restriction there. No other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Again, restriction. Verse 8 Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter. Your maid, manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord God blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. And if you read other passages in relation to the Sabbath day, we today probably have very little idea what it means to keep a Sabbath. Very, very little idea what it means to keep a Sabbath. And I'm not saying we're living under the law, but very little idea. Most of us probably have rarely kept a Sabbath as would be presented in Scripture. And I'm just making that as a statement. I'm not knocking anyone. Just it was very, very strict. And Israel spent time in captivity in Babylon because they violated the Sabbath. So very restrictive He goes on in verse 12, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or his maidservant or his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Well, there's a lot of do-nots, a lot of restriction. But yet God wanted Israel to have freedom. There seems to be a parallel. Freedom involves restriction in a fallen world. You can't have freedom without restriction. We say we live in a free country, but look at all the laws we have. You can't drive without restriction. We say, we don't need any traffic laws. See what happens. You come to an intersection, there's no light, there's no stop sign, no nothing. You know, we're going to have all kinds of, got to have restriction if there's going to be freedom. God knew that. Part of living in a fallen world. Tied in with that, let's go over to Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. We find that Moses is going to be passing off the scene. He is not going to go into the promised land. In Deuteronomy 28, verse 1, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. And what is the Lord your God? You know, what is involved in obeying the Ten Commandments? And then the commandments that are given beyond the Ten Commandments. He says, you'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed, and the crops of the land, and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds, and the lambs of your flock. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. And he goes on to talk, talk about blessing. The end of the chapter, he talks about curses. And those curses come as disobe- from disobedience. So freedom involves some restriction. But obedience. Let's go over to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. The psalmist talks about the blessed man. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. You see the restriction there? Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked Stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. There's restriction. But the contrast, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Restriction. Staying away from certain things freedom delighting in the law of the Lord meditating on his law day and night and then God says what that person is like so sometimes we think about freedom it involves a variety of things Adam was told to do certain things Eve was to compliment and be a helper Adam ceased to be free when he did not resist the serpent. He was to take the initiative. The serpent came to Eve. He passively sat back and did not take the leadership. He ceased to be free. Eve ceased to be free in Genesis 3 when she tried to take over the reins. Because what happened? They left their design. God had designed Adam to lead. He designed Eve to complement, to follow. There was restrictions. You find in Deuteronomy and Exodus, there's freedom, but yet restriction. And Psalm 1, the same. So here's a possible definition of freedom. I say possible definition. I'm not saying this is the only definition. Freedom is living joyfully And contentedly, 24-7, in a broken, fallen world, with God's blessing from desire. Within the design, the pattern, the structure, which God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit designed for you as a child of God, through the life we have in Christ, and the independence upon the Holy Spirit. And again, that's maybe somewhat wordy and so on, but trying to think about freedom in a fallen world. So just some comments on the definition. This isn't in your notes. If you want to jot a couple things down, you can. But joyfully and contentedly, accepting where you are, not demanding a change. How many of us live life thinking something has to change? You're not free. You're bound by that circumstance. It may be a battle to renew the mind, but joyfully and contentedly is responding to our circumstances, not fighting them. So years ago when I was diagnosed with sarcoidosis and that brings with it certain side effects which I live with, you know, to this day, if I'm always trying to get over it and saying it's got to stop, I'd become its slave. Years ago I said, okay, God, I guess you don't want to fix me. I'm not even going to talk to you about fixing me anymore. I'm content where I am. Give me the grace to bear up under it. I become free. I'm not saying it's wrong to go to the doctors and so on. That's, I'm not saying don't do something if you're medically ill. That's not my point. But Paul seemed to have come to the same conclusion Second <clears throat> Corinthians 12. You know, he prayed three times and the Lord said, I'm not going to fix you. So Paul said, I'll glory in my infirmities and my weaknesses and so on. He was joyful. He was contented <clears throat> in acknowledging God's grace is sufficient. Think about this, if we spend as much time responding to our circumstances as fighting them, where would we be in life? If we spend as much time responding to our circumstances <clears throat> as fighting them, where would we be in life? So a husband says, i got to change my wife. She's not the way she should be. i got to change her. And he's devoting time to try to change her. He's not called to change her. He's called to love her and to lead her. If he would respond to who she is, then he's free. But if he's trying to change her, then he becomes a slave of hers. But joyfully and contentedly 24-7, we're talking about all of life, not just on Sunday morning or Sunday night or whenever. No, all of life, but in a broken world. You ever stop to consider that nothing will always go right? Nothing's going to always go right. That's living in a broken and fallen world. Expect problems and struggles. Oh, if I can just get over this hurdle, maybe I'll be free from problems for a while. Why are we trying to do that? We live in a broken world. God told us that. So we get up tomorrow morning and think, oh, this will be a great day. It's going to be problem-free. God says, whoa, you live in a fallen, fallen world, it probably won't be. If it is, it's really a lot of grace. A broken, fallen world, we expect problems. Our hope is in the future as we live in a broken world. That brings freedom. So someone goes in for uh, surgery and they think, well, if I get this fixed, I'm free and clear for the next 10 years. Maybe, maybe not, but don't expect it, you know, don't demand it. I would encourage us to not fight our struggles, but work within them. Don't fight our struggles. Live within them. So for a number of months, and some of you have been through it, Ruthann cared for her mother. And that was not an easy time in her life or my life. And sometimes she would call and say, you know, I need to be restored to sanity. And, uh, you know, we would talk and so on. And I would encourage you then, quit fighting your mother. Don't try to fix her. Respond to God's grace that He wants to give. I think, too, in the context of freedom, we have to admit that we can't fix everything. Most of the time, we can't fix anything. What do we do? We respond. We live in a broken world. You say you're pessimistic. No, I'm not pessimistic. I'm scriptural. We live in a broken world. We can't fix everything because things are broken. So respond biblically. How many of us are tempted to think, if only I can live right and I don't sin so much tomorrow and I don't do this and I don't do that. Give up on that. When you sin, confess it and pick up and go on. Don't live dwelling on the sin. How many of us would like to fix our government? Well, If you get it fixed, I guarantee you tomorrow it will be broke again because we're still dealing with humans in office. So we can give up fixing our government. We can talk about it. We didn't discuss ideas. I'm not saying we shouldn't, but we can't fix it. There's no perfect government but what can we do? We can respond to it. So in the context of a broken, fallen world, embrace brokenness. Don't push it away. Because if you're pushing away brokenness, you're pushing away life and Christ who wants to offer grace in brokenness. Now that sounds contrary to what we hear from the world. But freedom is embracing brokenness in our fallen world. We're tempted to look for a fix rather than accept God's grace. Oh, next year I get this teacher. It's going to be so great. I don't like the one I have now. Why not learn to respond to the one you have? Then you'll be prepared to respond to the next one. You can't experience God's grace if your focus is on a fix. If your focus is on a fix, you can't experience God's grace. You can't go in two directions at the same time. A wife has a husband who is imperfect, <clears throat> doesn't really love her, care for her, respond to her the way she wants. And she has been forever trying to change him, and he just doesn't seem to change her. So she has taken over some of the leadership. <clears throat> She's not free. She's being controlled by an imperfect husband. She's free when she says, I will follow my husband's leadership. I will experience God's grace in the midst of doing that and I'll let God deal with him. That's freedom. See, living in a broken world with God's blessing, God's enablement, as we've been discussing, we have in Christ all that we need to respond correctly. But living in a broken and fallen world from desire. God, I just want to respond to you correctly. I want to desire you but within the design that he provided. Okay, I'm a man, I'm a husband, I'm a father, and I'm a grandfather. I am free when I seek to be a man, to love and lead Ruth Ann, to teach and train children and have a positive impact on my grandkids. If I'm trying to change my wife, I move from freedom to slavery because I'm not called to change my wife. I'm called to love her and lead her. So when I try to control my kids and make them behave, I've stepped into slavery. You say, what do you mean? I'm supposed to make my kids behave? No. You're to train them and bring them up on the nurture and admonition of the Lord, which involves correction and teaching. But you can't change their heart. How many times have us as parents felt like grabbing our kids and maybe we did it just shaking them up and saying, wise up. We become a slave. We're to nurture them. We're to train them. Not to try to control them. We have to discipline and so on. How about a father or mother? They're free when they're seeking to teach, lead their children. Father is taking the leadership. A wife is complimenting. And they work together. Children, when is a child free when they're learning obedience and respect and honor to mom and dad? They're living within the design that God has given to us. When is a citizen free? Living within the design of respecting and obeying the government. Well, I don't like what the government does. God says, that's too bad. I still called you to obey them and respect them and honor them. Pay your taxes. You know, and so on. Romans 13. That's freedom. Living within the design that God gave us. When we fight that design, we get into real trouble as far as walking with God. So we're living within the structure that Christ, God, and the Holy Spirit has given to us in the life that we have with Christ, and we'll touch on that more in the near future, and in dependency upon the Holy Spirit. I'm going to make a statement. If you want to respond to it, you can. Only as one experiences freedom where they are in the present will they be ready to move to another stage in life to enjoy freedom? Only when one is experiencing freedom where they are in the present will they be ready to move to another stage of life and experience freedom. Let me give you an example. We have a child. Child is anyone 12 or under forsaken my illustration. A child is free when they willfully, freely obey mom and dad. Honor them, respect them. So a child is learning through mom and dad teaching and guiding them to be free. Obey, honor, and respect mom and dad. Dad says, do this, and son says, yes, sir. Mom says, do this, and yes, mom. And there's just a willingness to respond. They're growing in that, and they're learning that. They move into the teen years. Now they're free to be a teen who is free. So, mom and dad say, Be home at 11 o'clock. Yes, I'll be home at 10 50. I want you to do these chores. I'm not going to be home the rest of the day, but I want them done. Yes, they'll be done long before you get home. Hey, dad. Hey, mom i really been having some struggle at school. Some friends are really giving me a hard time. How do you think I should respond? And mom and dad give some good counsel and they say, thanks mom and dad, we'll apply that. Now they're free to move into the adult years to live as a man and a woman, a husband or wife, a father or mother. See, the child who resists mom and dad Tends to become a teen who resists mom and dad, who becomes a man or a woman who resists God's design, resists the government, resists the employer, or whatever pattern it may be, because they're not content where they were. See, Adam and Eve were not content with what God gave. They moved into deep slavery. (laughs) Free children become free husbands or wives. Free employees become free employers. Free sheep become free shepherds. Free citizens become free leaders. Free free sufferers become mature. Okay, I'm a shepherd, I'm a pastor. I can only be an effective pastor if I learn to be a sheep who submitted to the shepherds over me. Because if I did not submit to Norman Murrier, I did not submit to Nolan Roach and some other men that were shepherds over me, now I move into the pastor role. I will carry my slavery over. I couldn't submit to them. I won't submit to God now, and I become a controlling leader. And I realize it's a process by which we grow. Any comments before we move on for just a few minutes? The comments I just made are why I think we should be slow to change, change circumstances in life until we're confident we're free in our present circumstance. So I change a job because I don't like where I am. I probably won't like where I go because I've not learned to respond to God's grace and be free where I was. So I probably won't be free in the next one. So I change cars. You know, I just don't like this car. So I have to have another one. I change computers. I have to have a new phone. We're not content with what we have then we get something else and we're still not content because we're not free. Counseling and responding to people in daily life should move them to freedom in the present, not demanding change or change in others or change in their circumstances. Change without freedom means they move into a downward spiral of bitterness. God desires us to be free, living where we are with contentment. And we may seek to bring about a change in circumstance, not because we need it. We think it be wise as we depend upon the Holy Spirit. few months back when we were at my one aunt's funeral, my other aunt Dorcas said, Dan, I want to know why you haven't been anointed to be healed. And I said, well, Dorcas, there's a reason why I haven't been anointed to be healed. The original reason was that uh, God had to teach me some things. And as he was teaching me them, he seemed to communicate to me that he didn't want to heal me and that he would give grace that I need. So that's why I've never been anointed. So I'm learning to be free in my present circumstances. I'm thankful for what I've been through physically and I'm thankful for what I will go through physically. She said, thanks, Dan. I think I understand. I won't bug you again about being anointed. What was I saying? I was learning to be free. I, someone else may be fixed physically. Fine. We can pray to that end. But are we free where we are? As we respond to God, we move towards freedom. Final comment on top of page two. Responsibility. Freedom as described. Above or as we've been discussing brings choice and choices to live within God, Christ, the Holy Spirit, design, structure, and pattern. And when I say choice, I use the word choice because we're making a decision, Lord, this is the direction I want to go. I want to be free. I want to live within the design that you have given to me as a child, as a teen, as a husband, a wife, employer, employee, and so on. That's the direction I want my life to go. Choices is the day-by-day readjustment. You know, this is the direction I want to go, and tomorrow we start going in Oh, I've got to stop here. I've got to make a choice to, you know, get back on track. So... Ruth Ann and I had our first little guy come along, a guy by the name of Danny. And a couple weeks into the process, we thought, God, this isn't what we signed up for. Babies are supposed to sleep at night. And after about a year and a half of that, Ruth Ann said, I've had it, this kid still don't sleep all night. And then I got this husband that never gets awake. I can crawl over him at night to get to the crying baby and he still stays asleep. God, I didn't sign up for a child like this and I didn't sign up for a husband like this. And what did that require? Constantly her bringing back on track, Lord. This is design. This is a baby you gave to me. This is a husband you gave to me. And this is how I respond, you know. I think that took a lot of adjustment in mind, renewing the mind, right, honey? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you were frustrated I know but you were frustrated many times <laughs> but we make choices day in and day out how many of you go to the job and you get frustrated on the job you know I didn't sign up for this I didn't think we make an adjustment I'm the employee I'm to honor my boss and so on you know that becomes a pattern pattern of life we'll pick up with struggle next week any questions or comments as it relates to freedom please keep in mind as you think about Adam and Eve you think about Israel and you think about what the psalmist says in Psalm 1 freedom is not doing what we want from our sinful nature, freedom is living within the design of God, and we struggle with that because we live in a broken, fallen world. world. Let's pray together, Father. As we reflect upon the freedom we have in Christ, we know that that freedom involves <clears throat> living. In submission to you. Living within the design that you gave to us. In humble dependency upon you. May we grow in making choices daily. To live well within that freedom. And there are times we get very frustrated. There are times we respond incorrectly. But even then, as we have discussed in previous weeks. In grace, you remind us we're loved unconditionally. You accept us, and you continue to work in our lives. Thank you for that grace in Christ's name. Amen.